Hey, people of the Elon Daily. Um, we're going to talk about Bezos because this morning Jeff Bezos uh, went up in Blue Origin and they went up into space. They passed that uh, line that everybody's discussing. And I can't remember the name, but of course. Um, oh, the Carmen line. I know why, because I think of Carmen Electra, the great astrophysicist Carmen Electra. So they went past the Carmen line and uh, they floated around. They actually went significantly higher than Richard Branson in Virgin Galactic. And they floated around for a while and they came down and it all looked like it went really well. And it was an impressive launch and land, a vertical landing, just like SpaceX does. So hats off. A lot of people obviously discussing like, is this just a waste of time, these these billionaires? But um, I like the downstream effects of this kind of thing. So I think that this is actually positive if you're into uh, space, if you're into uh, settling on the moon, uh, Mars, being an interplanetary species, you know, decades to hundreds of years from now. I'm all about it. So I think um, have at it. That's fine. But we've got some issues here on the world, on the earthy world. Right now in California and Portland, there are these huge fires. And this is now the new normal, which we shouldn't call or think about as the new normal. It is just what was predicted that was going to happen even with small elevations in temperature and now is happening. And uh, these fires are terrible. And I think I've said it before, and I don't want to be depressing. The modeling suggests that California will have no forests by 2070 because these fires are going to get bigger and bigger and more frequent. There won't be enough time for the forest to regenerate. So that sounds a little depressing. And that's why, you know, the most important thing, there's lots of important things going on in the world, in politics and in race relations and in so many things. But really, to me, the most important thing that we can be focusing on is climate change. It truly is the existential crisis. We have to put everything we can into that. But let's talk about 350 kilowatt charging. Uh, so electric cars, electrification of the transport system is really important. It's also obviously really important that then the way you move those things around is renewably. So let's talk about some of the Elon Musk tweets that have come out in the last week. And one of the big ones was a series of tweets that were about uh, 300 and 350 kilowatt charging. It looks like they're about to step up the charging uh, speed of the chargers. We don't know if this sort of sort of tweak the V3 or if this is going to be V4 charging. Elon said 280, 300, 350 might be coming. All very vague, but we do know that CCS charging at its best does 350 kilowatts. What does that mean for you and I if you own a Tesla today? And I would say, are you ready for this? Not too much. Not too much because depending on what battery stack you have, you may not be able to charge that fast. For example, my wife has a Model X. It's um, now nearly three years old and it can only max out at 200 kilowatts. I have a Y, but it can do 250. Um, so it depends. You know, if you've got the latest, greatest tech, then maybe you can do 350. The problem with 350, as I understand it, is that heat dissipation when you're really cranking the juice in there. And so some of the older chemistries can't do that. Some of the older cooling systems can't do that. So probably for the vast majority of people with their Teslas today, are not going to see 350 kilowatts. But what I see is this is uh, getting ready for what's next. And what is next is Cybertruck. What is next is uh, hopefully Model 3s, Model Ys, Ss and Xs that have the new 4680 cells. Because the cooling for these are a lot easier. You can do a cooling on the top and the bottom of that thing. And it's very efficient 
And so you might be able to get 350 kilowatt charging in those puppies. In fact, I think it's almost certain. But the real question about this is not actually the peak, 350 the peak. It's how long you can sustain that. So, for example, I've got the Y. It can do 250. And even if I get to the charger and I'm preconditioned and I'm at a low state of charge and I've got everything in my favor, when you plug in, yeah, I can get a thousand miles of range per hour, you know, 250 kilowatts of charging, but it lasts for just a short period of time. And you've probably seen lots of these different graphs comparing different cars and their charging times. So Tesla, yes, at their max can do 250, but it just doesn't stay there very long, less than five minutes. And then it starts to drop off pretty rapidly. I think because they're worried about, you know, the expansion of the cells, I think because it has to do with um, heat. And so I'm hoping that one of the things that we'll get with the 4680 cells is the ability to charge at a higher rate and for a longer time, meaning that you'll be able to get in 200 miles of range in the sort of magnificent 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, that would make recharging a lot more fun, a lot quicker, and you'd be able to get people in and out of those charges very, very quickly. People have done sort of math on this, but that seems about right. You get 200 miles of range in less than 15 minutes if you had a sustained 350 kilowatts, depending on which vehicle you were in. So that's getting close to the holy grail. The holiest of grails would probably be zero to 80% charge in five or 10 minutes to really compete with gasoline engines. And actually, I just stopped for a second. I did a little back of the napkin math. And actually, in something like a Model Y, Model 3, you should be able to get 200 miles range in 10 minutes at 350 sustained. So that's getting it pretty close to what you could expect from just uh, gasoline. Not quite there yet, but uh, if you can really get 200 miles in 10 minutes, it's getting very, very close and uh, close enough to compete. And if they get higher than that, but if you can sustain that so that you can get 300 miles in 15 minutes, now you're talking. That's delicious. That's lovely. That's delectable. I like this idea, but don't think that tomorrow, even if it came out and they flip the switch and all of the superchargers that were 250s became 350s, that it would make a big difference to you. It's probably not, but it is useful. And uh, I hope they do start deploying it ahead of things like Cybertruck and new advanced uh, cells and chemistries in upcoming cars. But really the key thing when we're talking about climate change and uh, fixing this disaster that uh, is looming is that it's all got to be renewable. And I've been very vocal about the fact that where is all of these solar panels and battery backup on the Tesla supercharging network, which we were sort of told about years ago, that this is how the supercharger network is going to be. Not only is it robust and it's all through at least places like California and the US now, really robust, much better than anybody else's charging network. Still the single biggest reason to buy a Tesla if you need a long range vehicle is that charging network. But where is the renewable portion of this? Where are all of these giant solar deploys? Where are all these battery backups? Well, he just announced today, or Tesla did, Tesla China, that their second, count it, second fully renewable supercharger is up and running. So again, lots of uh, solar panels, lots of battery backup. But that's two out of uh, how many thousands? So I'm hoping that uh, we're going to start to see that really start to occur. Because these cars require a lot of energy. And Elon has said we're going to need about three times as much electricity generation in a future where most of the transportation is electric than we do today. That is an enormous amount of energy, and that energy must come from renewables. And one place to start is if a huge percent of those cars 
uh, Teslas is from a network that's actually attached to a fully renewable recharging system. So I think we really are going to have to, again, look to Tesla to keep up with this. It's also possible for them, again, to use this as an advantage, because if they use their own panels and they use their own battery backups, they potentially could sell that energy to you and I for much less than the grid and much less, therefore, than their competitors could charge up their cars. And so, again, they could use this as, okay, if you buy a Tesla, you know that the cost of driving this thing around and maintenance is much less than a standard car. And if you fill it up on our supercharger network, we're only going to charge you, I don't know, 25 cents per kilowatt hour, where everybody else is charging 35 cents per kilowatt hour. Another reason to get a Tesla. And they could do that because over time, solar plus battery like that will be significantly less than can be done at the grid level. In fact, in some estimates, over time, you can be paying as little as five cents per kilowatt hour as you amortize the cost of those panels, batteries over sort of a 20-year lifespan. You can get that cost way down. So they could sell it to you for 25. You're feeling pretty good about it, and they're still making a significant amount of profit. I'm not sure why that hasn't happened. I think simply because of capacity. I keep going back and looking at battery day. I keep looking at things that uh, Elon has said and Strobel has said and Battery constraint is the big thing. Mineral constraint is the big thing. Getting these batteries made and getting the compounds to the factories that make these things is really a problem for the next few years. There is such constraint there that, you know, Tesla Powerwalls now, they you can't get them for a year. And we keep going through this cycle. There's been such an explosion in the number of Teslas out there. They're using so many batteries. They can't keep up with battery demand. So this idea that we could throw a, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of big battery packs all over this country and all over the world just to supply the supercharger network is probably uh, not the best way for them to spend money right now. They can sell you a car for a significant more amount of money and more profit. That's what they're going to do. But we really do have to catch up. Battery constraint. That's what I'm going to leave you with today. Battery constraint is the beginning, the middle, and the end of the problems that Tesla has right now. The ability to produce batteries fast enough for all of the cars and the trucks and the home storage and the grid level storage that they have planned. It's all about battery constraint. We need more Terra factories and we need more minerals and we need to get these minerals in as clean a fashion as possible. And like Strobel is trying, we need to recycle as much of the batteries that are out there as possible. And he suggested, Strobel, that the number of batteries that are in people's drawers at home or cell phones and stuff that they don't know what to do with, that they don't want to just throw in the garbage because they know that's a disaster. The amount of lithium and cobalt and stuff there is bigger than the biggest mines in the world. And so recycling is really starting to heat up. It's not just him. There's a number of companies. That's going to be a big deal, a big story going forward, and probably, frankly, a good place to put your investment money in the future. Now, Strobel's company is not publicly traded, but I think when it is publicly traded, it would be a good thing. This is not advice. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just spitballing here. I'm the guy that bought Tesla at the peak and has watched it go down by 10 to 20%. So no advice from me, but just it's all about the batteries. And now it's about recycling. I'll talk to you soon.